Hallelujah. Uh, again, the Lord is uh, uh, Alan this morning. I have no idea what title they'll put on that. It was awesome. Talking about you're complete in Him, but really uh, in the overall theme of pressing into the impossible. See, because that is exactly the revival that we're called to. We're not called to a anything man can do. Can I just say it that way? We're not, we're not called to that. Now, we're going to be doing things, of course, feeding the poor and all of that. But what he's called us to is a real, supernatural, signs and wonders, impossible to man, revival. And again, I'm going to, for those, if you can't see me, this is our impossible box. I like that name. I hadn't heard that before. This is our impossible box. And we've got pictures on here of uh, some young people that even with the best of modern technology, all that medical science has to offer, these, there is no hope. There is no human help. One of them is Victoria, our own Victoria, who was born with a partial brain. Now, you may have a good anointing for healing backs and knees. Are you ready for us? Are you ready to go to Victoria's house? See how quiet it is right there? Uh, one of them is Tommy Perez. I think we've got a couple of pictures of him on, on here. There he is, Tommy Perez. He's older now. He's 40 now, I think. And uh, Sue and I and Aaron at the time went with us, and we flew to New York. And big part of that trip with the purpose, we knew we were going to pray for Tommy. Now, he was born with cerebral palsy. He's had it since he was a baby. He's never been out of that wheelchair, really. Uh, he can't converse with you in, in language. He's very intelligent. He's got a great sense of humor. He knows you're there. He's happy to see you. He'll just be just thrilled. But right now on planet Earth, natural or supernatural, there is nowhere that we can take Tommy Perez and know for sure when we come back that he'll be healed. We prayed with all the, how does Dave say that? We, we milked every cell of our being for faith. Uh, so did the parents. So did the pastor uh, of the church where they went. And uh, his wife, we did everything. We, we used the name. We shouted. We, how did Alan say that? We thumped him on the head with our Bible. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but trying to say, we did everything that we knew to do. And, and he's still there. And uh, I don't know if he's going, what he's going to let me do here today. I brought some things. I have no idea if he's going to even let me use them. You notice I didn't bring my Bible. Well, I did. I brought like 12 Bibles in my phone. <laughs> See, if you read right at the end of Luke 4, not today, <clears throat> after Jesus got through teaching in the synagogue, they went back to Peter's house. And Peter's mother-in-law now, those of you that don't think Peter was married, right there it is, Luke chapter 4, read it for yourself. His mother-in-law was sick of a fever. And here we go now. What do we do when we have someone sick of a fever? Put on the chicken soup, <laughs> right? Uh, cool them down, uh, make sure they're comfortable, uh, you know, cover up with if they're cold, if they have chills. Uh, just what we and we—it's it, not wrong to do those things, 
But it is really rare. I can't even think of the last time I saw anybody walk up and talk to the fever. But that's what he did. Plainly says, he rebuked the fever. Now here we go. This kind of builds off of last week's message. All, I love my relatives. All my blood, I'm talking about my blood kin. Really, you guys are really more close to me than most of my blood kin, although I'm pretty close with them, you know. But they are salt of the earth people. They love Jesus. They, man, they'll give you the shirt off their back. They're hardworking dairy farmers and ranchers and raise cattle and all kinds of hardworking people. I mean, dawn till dark people. And uh, they love Jesus. And boy, they'll help you with uh, anything you want to do, you know, when it comes to bake sales or having a raffle or doing something for the poor. They'll, they're in there. And, it, and it's a good thing. You talk to them about speaking to a fever, they're going to think you have a fever. <laughs> what? Yeah, last week I used the example. Hey, let's go. There's a tree. Let's go talk to it and kill it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about the reaction you get right there. You know, what? But see, we're, we're called to it. Yes, sir. See, now if you fit, and then keep reading in Luke 4 to the end of the chapter. So after he rebuked that fever, and it was immediate, she was well. She got up and said, basically, she prepared the meal for them. She wait, waited on them, served them. Well, then when it got dusk, it says, I love how it's worded. I hope I quote it pretty, pretty accurate. It says, they brought any that had all that had any disease in that area. All that had any. Say all that had any disease. They brought them unto him, and I love the four words, and he healed them. That's revival. See, in the next morning, he, he got up way early before dawn and went out to pray. <laughs> and the next morning, the whole town's looking for him. Again, I'll tell you, we start breaking into this. We're not going to need any church, church growth programs. Trust me, the word will spread. You know, if you've got a child with an incurable disease of any kind, and word gets out that Jesus is in the house, and I'm talking not in the building, in you, doing the same things now that he did then. Wow, if I had a, if I had a child that incurable, are you kidding? See, first thing I'm going to do is bring my own mother down here. My mother's 99 and doing really well. But she's got macular degeneration really bad. And regardless of what she thinks, her hearing is pretty bad too. She says, no, I hear just fine. Well, yeah, the, the TV is blaring. You can hear it a block down the road, you know. I can't get her to go get hearing aids. But, well, what do you think, Jesus? You think he loves her more than I love her? He'd heal my mother in a heartbeat, you know. Church growth is not going to be the problem. Where to put them all is going to be the problem. So I think the theme of today is venturing into the impossible. Early in the year, we didn't, we haven't yet found the exact date, but we know it was before COVID, before the lockdown in mid-March. So January, February, early March, somewhere early in the year, the Lord began speaking to Sue, which happens pretty frequently. And he 
You know, the Lord, the Lord, uh, do you know the Lord's got a sense of humor? Years ago, and I'm going to take you, before I get to Susan, I'm going to tell you, years ago, he did not have to do it this way. He was playing with me. <laughs> I woke up about, you know, like two in the morning, and I hardly ever get heartburn. And I know you can have heartburn so bad that you'll think you're having a heart attack. I've heard, I knew that even then. And I've had heartburn before, and I, you know, where it feels like a heart attack, and you just wait it out, and you're okay. Well, this one, man, I'm up. I'm trying to be quiet. I don't want to wake Sue up. It's 2 or 3 in the morning. And it's just getting worse and worse. And I'm, I'm actually thinking, Lord, is this really a heart attack? Am I, is this it? Am I going to see you in a few minutes? What? <laughs> a friend of mine one, friend of mine one time was had a similar deal like that. He says, finally, he says, I'm just going to go to sleep, Lord. I'll, I'll see you in the morning or I'll see you in a few minutes. I'm <laughs> well, I, I, was, I was getting to where I wasn't sure. Is this might be a real heart attack. And he didn't have to do it like this. Because I'm wondering, is it a heart attack? Is it gas? What is it? <laughs> now, he didn't have to do it. But he was playing with me. I heard just as clear. Now, many of you won't know about this because you're too young. But many of you will. It's an old commercial from years ago. Plop. Plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. And I went, Alka-Seltzer? <laughs> you want me to take some Alka-Seltzer? <laughs> well, then I was pretty sure it's not a heart attack. He's telling me what the problem is, you know. So I looked all, th- I couldn't find any. So I literally had to drive to Walgreens. You know, think they're open all night. And I got me some Alka-Seltzer in 15 minutes. I was fine, you know. Now, I say all that because he was playing with Sue. Because here she is, you know, you're, you're in the Holy of Holies. I'm being a little funny. You're in the Holy of Holies. God is about to talk. So here's how she hears him. And again, you older ones will recognize this. Return with me now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. <laughs> have, me, have me remember the Lone Ranger. <laughs> I'm getting a few hands around <laughs> He didn't have to do it that way, but we, we love it. He knows us so well, see. He will he, play with you some. He'll, you know, yeah, return with me now to these thrilling days of yesteryear. And then you wonder what's coming next. And then what he said was, rewind so that I can fast forward. Rewind. How many of you got an old member of the old cassette player? You know, yeah. You got to rewind, okay, and then you can fast forward. Now, we took that to mean uh, we need to go back through all of the things he said. We need to rewind, go back to the beginning. What did he say to us? And uh, so we've been doing that to some extent. <laughs> For us, it's a lot. We've been at this a spell. I mean, Sue's going like this. I mean, if you printed it all out, it probably would be a stack that high of different things he said to us. One of the early things that I found, I was, going, I was doing a lot of that Saturday while I was down here praying. I was going through some of the old things he said to us. One of them that stood out to me was this. And if you want to write some of these down, some of these will apply to anybody. Some of them might... They probably only apply to us, but I think this one applies to everybody. He says, I speak no unnecessary words to you. Now, to me, that means I'm not allowed to ignore any of them. If he says 
something for me to do. And I, I touched on this last week about fasting. He gave me instructions, 22, I mean pretty detailed instructions, what to do 22 years ago. I knew the what, I knew the when, I knew the how, I had everything I needed in order to do it. I did it, I did not like it, and I quit doing it. Well, 22 years later, the blueprint for 2020 comes. And he wants all of this time spent with him. And everything in you thinks he's probably forgotten all about that. But you start doing it, and guess what? He rewinds. <laughs> Brought that right up in my face again. <clears throat> See, this is why the crowd has thinned a lot. I'll be honest with you. Things, because he speaks no unnecessary words to us. And uh, what he tells me is probably not the same thing he's going to tell Jerry Clark. We weren't raised the same. We don't have the same strongholds. We don't have the same thought patterns. He may give Jerry some instruction. Now, we're all, all called to do certain things. Be in the Word, pray, worship, you know, fast to some degree. But he may tell Jerry... He may probably because Jerry's his favorite. He smiled real big right there. Oh, Jerry, you only need to fast a Snicker bar after lunch. That's all I need from you, Jerry, because your your flesh is pretty dead. To Gary, <laughs> oh, <clears throat> well, and my instructions might be quite more than that, see, and they are quite more than that. But it's important that each one of us. Um, Yes, sir. I'm going to go ahead and use that. Um, yes, sir. It's just as important to stop a thing when he tells you to as it is to start a thing. We started the Bible study in our home at his direction. And he gave us enough instruction to know who to invite. We, we knew who to... We, did, we never let it be... Not, Dave was the one to let the cat out of the bag after about a year and a half of us doing it. And then once everybody here knew about it, wham, you know, it was it was packed. But in the beginning, we had specific instructions. We knew who to invite. We knew how to do it. He said, make it very unchurchy. So we did everything we could. We'd open about most of these. Well, I won't say most. Two-thirds of them smoked. So, you know, you open up the windows and let them smoke. What are you going to do, you know? And some of them had to sit out. Some of them smoked so much, we had to open the windows, and they'd sit on the front porch so they could hear while they smoked. <laughs> Unchurchy. But, you know. So we did that for two years. And without warning, the very day, the very day it was, that was the last day, he told us, this is the last service. And, and I understand now why he didn't give me any warning, because I would have talked myself out of it. But it was just as important to stop a thing as it is to start a thing, what's really important is to hear his voice and obey. See, where we're, where we're going, we, formulas, we may get into some formulas here in a little bit. Formulas are not going to work. Okay. We have a, a few weeks ago, one of the messages, refuse not him who speaks, not him who spoke. He did spoke, <laughs> but him who spoke still speaketh. Refuse not him that speaks from heaven. So it's just as important. See, if we had not have stopped that Bible study when he told us, we wouldn't. 
we wouldn't have done the next thing, which was a whole different thing that he wanted us to do. Plus, we, if that thing, you can only hold, we were already having like 70 people in the house. Our house is not big. Well, what do you, what's the next, if you got to move out of your, what's the next thing? You, you started, you're going to rent some spot. Pretty soon you got a church going. And I, I'm, we're trying to pastor a church and I'm not called a pastor anyway. I mean, it's not that he wouldn't bless stuff like that. He will. He'll bless it all he can, but you're way out on the edge of his permissive will. I don't want to be out on the edge of it's, of his, it's not his, he's not telling me to start a, a church within a few miles of the prayer center. Come on. All right, enough of that. Somebody this very week uh, was on a fast, a pretty long one, and uh, they, they had their plan on how long they were going to fast, and uh, they had kind of a little, had a break. See, I remember Kenneth Hagin would say, uh, he, you know, he says, I, he said, when you fast, you ought to have a purpose. Like he, he usually had a question or something he wanted answered or something, you know, that it, from the Lord. And so he said, I hardly ever, I don't know how long he ever fasted, but I, I remember I heard him say many times, I hardly ever had to fast over four days. Why? I got my answer. Saying once you had the answer, then there was no reason. Now there are some other reasons to fast, and longer fasts are good. But I'm bringing this up because it's so important. We're all learning to follow him. And so this person this week had been fasting. You can tell they're fasting, they're going away. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? But he had a little break, had a breakthrough of something and came and said, you know, I think I heard the Lord say, that's the end of your fast. Today's the end. of it." Well, if that's what the Lord says, my counsel is break the fast. You know, it's just as important to stop a thing when he says as it is to start a thing when he says he's the Lord. We're not. Amen. Yes, sir. I keep dancing around this one. I don't know why I do that. I would just. See, years ago, and I'm not telling anything out of school, uh, Dr. Denikarin, many of you don't know who that is, but he's called the Benny Hinn of India. If you ever see pictures that they take of his crusades, they would have them at night, and they'd have these big poles with lights. I mean, the, the crowd just disappears into the night. I mean, maybe a million people there. Fabulous, like, and signs and wonders, and just really good. Dave went there, and... In fact, they have a Bible college under him, and they even named one of the dorms for Dave. I thought that was pretty good. I don't know if it's Dave Dorm or Roberson Dorm, but <laughs> or Dave Roberson Dorm. But anyway, Dr. Denikrin told this himself. There was a time in his ministry, and I don't really remember how long he had. I think he'd been in ministry quite a while. But he needed another car. You know, eventually you're going to need another car. So he was praying, and he had a really good relationship with the Lord. I mean, signs and wonders type relationship. The Lord told him the specific kind of car to buy, and it was a Mercedes. I don't know those Mercedes. For, you know how they have numbers? Mercedes, and even told him the model number. And it was a heavy, that model is a heavy Mercedes. It's not a little one. It's a heavy Mercedes. And Dr. Denikrin didn't buy it because he was thinking, Lord, I can't, I can't be driving, I'm a preacher, I can't be driving around in a rich, fancy looking car like that. Not in India, Lord. Everybody will think I'm a sham or, you know. So he didn't do it. And uh, he bought a lesser, you know, a cheaper car. And within a 
I don't know how long, a year, two, three, there was an accident, a vehicular accident, and his, his daughter was in that car, and she got killed. And Dr. Deniker and himself said, if I'd obeyed the Lord and bought that heavier Mercedes, my daughter would probably still be alive. Refuse not him that speaks from heaven. Refuse not him. Where we're going, it's life and death. Not just for the people that we'll be ministering to, but it's life and death for us. Dave says those that door on uh, that last 40%, which is the love walk, the final transforma- transformation where all complacency dies and all man's aspiration dies. He said that, that door to that 40%, 30, 60, 100, that door is more heavily guarded than any door in the universe because the devil knows. Any make it through that door. That's where revival comes. At all costs, none must enter there. That's why Dave would also say, we're not going to have heaven's best till we get past Satan's worst. Hallelujah. So we've been going back, rewind, rewind, so that I can fast forward. Um, One of the ones that he took me to is way back in the face-to-face documents. More than once he told me, told me personally, the most important thing in your life is to focus on the fact and to become constantly aware that I am with you. And he was specifically talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, you probably never have any lapses to the flesh. Not even little short ones, you know, lose your temper. Pause just a little too long on that commercial before you change the channel. See, I'm still, like there's a knob. It's on the remote now, isn't it? <laughs> You know what I mean? Anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Anytime that I lapse, have a lapse at all, it becomes so painfully aware to me that would never have happened. See, if Jesus in the flesh had been right there with me, that would not have happened. Because I would have been acutely aware the Lord is with me. So when that happens... Gary, how often does it happen? When that happens, every time it makes me painfully aware again that he is so right that even yet 22 years later, the most important thing in my life, and if especially if we're going into the impossible, we have to be continually Aware, not only that he's with us. He said, he, the Holy Spirit is with you, but he shall be in you. See, again, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to mention it again. That uh, YouTube, it's on YouTube now for free. It's an hour-long video called The God of Wonders. You just 
do a search, the God of wonders. Now that there's a song, there's a song called the God of wonders. I'm not talking about the song. You'll see it by all different artists. No, no. Keep looking. There's a documentary from 2009. It's about an hour long. It's free. The God of wonders. I really recommend it to you. I'm telling you, when you look, well, I don't, sometimes we forget the power of our God. Because we, we have trouble getting a cold healed. What's going on? Because you watch that documentary and it just brought me, I just wanted to get on my knees. I mean, the power of our God to fling this universe with the power of His words. And we've seen the power that's just in the atoms itself with the, with the atomic bomb. Just these few little, you ever seen one of those plutonium balls that they put in that atomic bomb? You could almost hold it in your hand. It's not very big. You know, I watched a documentary on that. I mean, it's heavy. You can't really, it's really heavy. It's dense. But the size, it's smaller than, it's smaller than a soccer ball. You ever see, you see uh, Hiroshima, the cloud? <laughs> you see the power just in those atoms? Then they went down to a salt shaker, had a little salt shaker there. And they said the power that's in that much salt would run the United States, all of the electricity in the United States for 10 years. That was in 2009. So then they came down to a single grain of salt. Single grain. Pretty small, yes? They said you could run and the average American house, one household, one family, 45 days, all the electricity in it from the power in a single grain of salt. And all of that power, you know, Scripture says he's upholding all things by the word of his power. How big is our God? How much? And he's in you? How much power is in us? And, and we struggle to get somebody healed on a cold or COVID-19 or anything else? Well, he's not going to change. The devil's really not going to change. Then Dave would say, the good news is, (laughs) we can change. Oh, if there was only a church where we could go to learn how to turn ourselves over to God. (laughs) If there was a way that we could sit at the feet of the Teacher, the Holy Spirit, and be taught hour after hour the mysteries of the kingdom. Oh, if there... Wait a minute. (laughs) Shock face. We're at that church now. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And He's called us again to this year. The blueprint for 2020. Give me this year. Give me this, now it was spoken in October of last year. Give me this next year. So that, that tells me the whole year, 2020. And all of the things that's in those ten prophecies. Well, I believe we really are on the cusp of revival. So, rewind. See, uh, when I go back and I see that, because he gave me that instruction, and it's not that I totally ignored it. Let's go back to Return with me now to those thrilling days 22 years ago. When I first got that, I did it. 
He told me to set us, uh, he gave instructions. He told me to set aside a part of my day on a daily basis, there for a season, to do nothing but say and focus on he's with me. Holy Spirit, you're with me everywhere I go. So I did it. I'm not saying I didn't do it. I did it. I probably, I don't know, I, I don't know how many times. That's, those were the days of the ugly building. I had lots of time and no ministry. <laughs> had not a whole lot to do. I remember walking over there, you know, saying out loud. I don't think I had any written confessions with me, but Lord, I just, I know that you're with me. I thank you. Holy Spirit, the number one thing, the most important thing in my life is to know you're always with me. I remember saying things like, you're with me when I take a shower. You're with me when I go to the store. You're with me when I mow the lawn. You're with me when I pray for people. And, you know, so I did it. I don't know how long. I really don't remember how long. But I did it more than one day. I know that. But then I didn't do it. And every time I have a lapse of the flesh. Makes me painfully aware. I didn't do it long enough. How can you say that? Because it's obvious I'm not always aware. That he's with me. Or I wouldn't act like that. See, if you're really aware like Jesus is aware that he is with you, well, now all things are possible. Yes, sir. Waiting for the pictures. I don't know how else to do this. See? Hmm. So I've had to go back and, and uh, make some adjustments in our my schedule personally to uh, make sure that there's more fasting in my life. I mean, I'm just telling you that's how it is. Uh, I'm doing my best to be here whenever the church is open for prayer. And I'm adding, in my case, because of what he told me, I'm trying to add about that same amount at home. Sue knows I get up early, and really early, and uh, to do it. And I believe that we're on the cusp of revival. I don't know how what the, exactly what that means. Cusp is pretty close. <laughs> I know that. Yes, sir. And I'm hearing the, what I'm hearing right now is beyond formulas. See, formulas are okay when you start because you got to start somewhere. I remember all those early days of uh, like Kenneth Hagin and uh, seven steps to answered prayer. How many remembers those kind of teachings? You know, and uh, how to be led by the Spirit of God, and it's a book, and on and on. Well, you you know when you you got to learn your ABCs before you can write novels. You got to learn your ABCs. Isn't that right? You got to go through the basics. All right. So uh, he told me years ago to make a confession. See, you know, most most of you know we have confession sheets for prosperity. We have confession sheets for healing. He told me years ago to make one for power, which I did, which was included in some of the early documents that we had. I got it out this morning. I've learned a little bit in twenty years, so I updated it some. Okay. I'm, we're going to make this available 
uh, alongside with as a PDF alongside this teaching. I'm not sure if he's going to have me read it, but I am going to read this part. Remember Smith Wigglesworth? He was known as the apostle of faith in his generation, uh, roughly 20, I think, raised from the dead. Cancers healed, all just all kinds of miraculous things. And they'd, they'd want to learn about that. Well, how did you have such great faith, you know? What is the secret of great faith? And he would always give the same answer. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. And one day recently, within the last few months, I brought that teaching from Smith where he talks about the early days. He says, when I was still early in my faith, early in my understanding, he himself was um, suffering agony with kidney stones. And um, he, it was so bad, he, the doctor, when he, excuse, I am so sorry, no, this episode was not kidney stones, that was another thing. This was appendicitis. And he wouldn't go to the doctor. Apparently he had a really high pain threshold. So the doctor came, and Smith is bad. And the doctor said, it's too late. He's not strong enough for us to even operate on him. He wouldn't survive. He'll be, he'll be dead. There's just nothing we can do. And Smith had used all the faith that he had. But this is early, early on in his walk with the Lord. So it's blade stage maybe. Okay, first the blade. So the doctor left and had no answer. It's like our impossible box. Okay. Smith, with all of his faith, he couldn't get healed. His wife's a believing Christian. She couldn't get him healed. So what happens? This elderly woman and a young man knock on the door, come in. And they just, they almost, almost the impression I get from reading the story, excuse us, you know. And they go upstairs where Smith is. And before he can even object, he said, before I could tell him that I didn't have any devils, he cast the devil out of me. <laughs> if I'd have had a chance, I'd have told him, I don't have no devils. But he, <laughs> That young man jumped on the bed and the woman was in agreement, you know. Cast the devil out of him in Jesus' name and left. Smith got out of bed. I'm healed. Went down, got dressed, went downstairs. He's still in the plumbing business. That's right. I mean, how early is this? He's still in the plumbing business. He's not even full time yet. They had a mission. That's right. They had a for the poor. And he says, uh, "Has there been any work come in? You know, as a plumber. Oh yeah, we got three tickets here. Got his tools and left the house. Well, the doctor came back later to check on him. And when she told him what had happened. He'll be dead by morning. He'll, you'll find him dead out there on the streets. Well, he didn't die till he was in his 80s. <laughs> Still preaching, by the way. But he uses that story to teach first the blade. See, then the ear. He couldn't even, he couldn't believe to, and that's a pretty good believing when your appendix is already ruptured. See, I wish I had the rest of the details of that story. I'm going, did God put it back together? <laughs> I don't know what happened. All I know is he's healed, and I guess that's really all that really matters, right? So he's dropping us back. You may have to go back also. You may have to rewind, because the way that's worded is so good. Rewind, he says, rewind, so I can fast forward. You rewind, so I 
can fast forward. Well, so he told some of the some of the things we've done very well on. I know some many of the things you've done well on things that the Lord's told you to do. He's not talking about those things. <laughs> He's talking about the things that you heard that you didn't do. And he says again, I speak no unnecessary words to you. Yes, sir. Okay. I'm hearing it again. No formulas. What that means, I know what that means. He had The last thing he had me grab before I left the house was this little teaching. Now, I don't normally... This teaching, I normally teach to gospel entrepreneurs. And the, the title of it is called The Boat Sinking Financial Blessing. Okay? But he's wanting to get us away from formulas. So I'm going to teach it. It won't take very long. Uh, you can be opening up to Luke 5. Oh, it says, by the way, right, that's the very next thing after they brought all those multitudes to him. And he healed them at, at uh, Peter's house. That's the very end of Luke 4. So this is starting the very next thing in Luke 5. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to read the whole thing first. Then we're going to go through it. And I want to bring out some comments. Now, we're not teaching on gospel entrepreneurship today, although this totally applies. Today, we're going to look at operating, let's say it this way, hearing and obeying the Lord is the key, not formulas. Okay? So Luke 5, starting in verse 1, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two ships standing by the lake but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets so now let's get the picture the people the throngs he just came from the fame is spreading he just healed everybody in the town where peter lives okay and now the throngs man they're they're coming and they're almost like you know, who knows? It might be four, there might be 4,000. This might be one, like one of those where there's four or 5,000 people and they're all trying to get up close when he's about to push him into the, the lake here. Okay? So, he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. Of course, that's Simon Peter. And asked him, prayed him, that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon... Launch out into the deep. I don't know if you know it. That's exactly what he's called us to do. Anyway, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a King James draft draft catch. <laughs> let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. That's a good place to be, by the way saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the catch of the fishes which they had taken. 
And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, let's take, it, let's take this uh, verse by verse here. Let's look at verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. See, at the close of the previous chapter, Jesus had healed multitudes as they had brought all that were sick of any sort of disease, and he healed them. The people in the town did not want him to leave, but he had to go and preach in other cities also. And his fame spread quickly, just like it will today. If there's somewhere you can go and take your sick child and know for sure there will be healed. Picture a great multitude pressing upon him, not, not 20, 30 people, hundreds, maybe thousands. And he needed a buffer of some kind between himself and the people. So verse 2, And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him, asked him, that he would thrust out a little from the land. So once there's a little buffer there, water between the people and Jesus, he sits down and he teaches them the word of God. Okay? Now see, this note is important. Sometimes Jesus needs to borrow something of yours. Remember the time that he borrowed a donkey? And he brought, they brought it back later. He needed to use a donkey. He had a reason for a donkey. Remember another time he needed an upper room to celebrate the, the last Passover he would celebrate. For Sue and I, he needed our living room. One night a week for two years. We didn't know it was going to be two years. But sometimes he needs to borrow something of yours. Now, Peter could see the dilemma. They're right there. He sees this rabbi and the throngs of people about to press on him into the lake. He sees the need. So when Jesus asked, I don't think Peter had in mind at all he was going to rent the boat out to Jesus. He's just going to let Jesus use his boat. And that's the right attitude. If he wants to use your donkey, if he wants to use you as a donkey, pat, pat, pat. <laughs> if he wants to use your living room, your, for years he used our, our we had a, an old van. And first we took Michael Muccio to the prisons. We were working at that time, as long before we were in the ministry. We both working, making our own money, and... Uh, Never even thought about it. And so we would drive Michael Muccio to the prison, wherever he was going to be, and just drive him back and carry his Bible in, you know, just trying to help. Well, later on, we inherited that prison ministry and did it for a long time. We just did that. Around. It never even occurred to us somebody might help us. We'd make our own money, buy our own gas, you know. A similar thing here. Needs to, sometimes he'll need to borrow your boat. <laughs> okay? And I don't think Peter had anything in mind about reward or I'm going to rent my boat out to you and this is how I'm going to make money. You know. Now verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now the first note I have here, don't ever forget this. Jesus is in your boat. 
Jesus is in your boat. If you're born again, Christ, the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you. Now, He's already in your boat. The mission, the goal, is to hear Him give instruction. Do, do you see the instructions here? Now, at this moment, Peter is hearing the instructions of Jesus from the literal physical mouth of Jesus to his literal physical ear and his natural brain understands the language being spoken and it's processing that to know what to do. That is how everybody wants to hear God today. That's not how you hear God today. Jesus today, now even though he's in each one of us by his spirit, the, the, the God-man Jesus in his glorified body is seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Now, he's still speaking. He's speaking from heaven. He is the Word. He's speaking. But we don't hear him from his physical lips to our physical ear. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, what he hears, that will he speak to you. In other words, I like to say it this way. The Holy Spirit has not come to replace the Lordship of Jesus. He's not come to be your Lord. He has come to bring you the Lordship of Jesus. Whatever the Holy Spirit hears, that's what he's going to reveal to you. So that's how we get our instructions. This takes me right back to Dave's two-part message on distinguishing God's voice. Because now these things are spiritually discerned. You hear them by the Spirit. And you can do it. My sheep hear my voice. Okay, you can hear. Yes, sir. He had me use this phrase recently, and it's helping a lot of people. Say, no, I can't hear him. Can you speak in tongues? Well, then you can hear him. Well, what do you mean? Well, now, who's creating that language? Is that you? Let's see. They began to speak as... The Holy Spirit gave the utterance. But yet, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says that when you speak, when you pray in an unknown tongue, it's your spirit praying. Well, how did it know what to pray? Because the Holy Spirit created that language. How did you know how to, how did you know to say it? And this is where Dave would teach us. There's a place within you that what's created in the mind of the Holy Spirit is transferred to your spiritual mind. Otherwise, you could not speak with other tongues. You're already hearing him. If you can speak with other tongues, you're already, your spiritual mind is already picking up the language that's coming from the Holy Ghost. It's just a language your mind can't process. Boy, I'm preaching really good. This is good stuff right here. But I got it all from Dave, so, <laughs> you know. But isn't that right? You couldn't speak with tongues unless your, your spirit, your mind, your spiritual mind is already tuned in to the wavelength the radio dial, where the Holy Spirit, where those words are. Otherwise, you couldn't do it. That's good stuff. You keep you keep your you learn where that is in you and keep it dialed there. Sometimes you'll speak in English, or your known language. Okay, Hallelujah. Jesus is in your boat. Now, let's look carefully. Launch out into. I want. Let's look. At, let's look at these instructions that came from the mind of Christ. Launch out into the deep. Now see, right now we're looking at a financial thing. It would not be any different if he sends you to uh, Zimbabwe. 
as a missionary, or he has you start a school to teach Bible college, or he has you do anything, we don't need to do it by formula. We need to hear from Jesus. Now look, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. All right? There you have the mind of Christ, the instructions from Him. And notice it's complete. What I mean is, those two sentences, you know the what, you know the where, you know the when, and you know the how. Okay, what? What am I supposed to do? Launch out into the deep. Got it. Where? (laughs) From where you are right now. Oh, okay. When? Now. (laughs) How? Let down the nets. Now, please notice in your Bible, it's plural. Look at the instruction he gave him. He says no unnecessary words to you. Let down the nets. I'm trying to make sure you nets. Plural. Nets. That's so important. Now, you've got to remember, Peter and the rest of them, these are all professional fishermen who have they've spent their lives on these waters. They know everything there is to know about fishing. And these instructions of Jesus go against all conventional wisdom, which says you fish these waters at night, not in the daytime. Besides, we've already fished here all night. and We didn't catch anything. Obviously, the fish are not in this area right now. Didn't you see us washing our nets? I mean, Peter, it would have been really, really easy, I think, for him to refuse. He didn't refuse, but he didn't fully obey either. It's like, okay, Rabbi. <laughs> All right. So Simon answering said unto him, Well, Master, we've toiled all the night, and uh, we've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, now notice what he says, I will let down the net. Singular. Partial, if you write in your Bible in the margin, partial obedience. <laughs> partial. Gary, do you know anything about that? Going on to the next verse. <laughs> yes, I know about that. <laughs> now, you've got to remember, too, Jesus hasn't even called them yet. They have no experience to speak of. Now, this isn't the first time that Peter has met Jesus. Andrew had brought him. Remember, Andrew saw Jesus first and went and got his brother, brought him. So it's not like this is the first time they've met. But, see, we tend to read this thinking Peter's already, oh, all the, he's seen all the miraculous stuff. No, he hasn't. This At the end of this is when Jesus calls Peter to follow him. So he hasn't seen all of the supernatural stuff yet. So to me, it speaks well of Peter that he even partially obeyed. Most most guys, most of my relatives, some teacher come up, some schoolboy from Nazareth. <laughs> you probably anyway. And let me show you how to milk cows, boy. <laughs> you gonna tell me how to milk cows? You know, I've been milking cows since anyway. <laughs> But it speaks well that at least he obeyed. I mean, they're tired. They, you know, it's, it's discouraging when you fished all night. You ever come to the end of yourself? See, it's kind of like what Alan was talking about this morning, you know. Sometimes you're fixing it, just didn't getting it done. You know, you can fix it to a certain level. But here they've done everything they knew to do and they came up empty. Okay, that's, so let's stay with the theme here. 
Okay. So you know what happens. Verse 6. And when they, when they had this done, one net, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Now, if you look that up in the Greek, the English translation is not great there. What it means is it was nearly breaking. Okay. Obviously, if it broke, the fish would get out. Okay. So our English didn't do so well there. But their, their net began to break. Now, the net, notice, the net, singular, began to break. They were in danger of losing this huge financial harvest that the Lord was bringing in. You understand, if you're a fisherman, this is your money. Okay, you got that? They should have done what he said and lowered the nets, plural, just like Jesus said. Okay. Verse 7. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both of the ships. Both of the ships. Filled them. To the point both of them began to sink. That's why I call this the boat sinking financial blessing. (laughs) But it comes not by really the formula of sowing and reaping. It comes by hearing and obeying Jesus. And I want you to please get this. I, I don't, I'm afraid I'm, I, I don't want to put this off. This same Jesus, this one, the same Jesus that spoke to them in the boat is the same Jesus speaking to you today. Now, it's no different. He has instructions for each and every one of us. And he speaks from heaven and our job is to hear and obey. But it's the same Jesus. But he's just not doing it, his lips to your physical ear. He's doing it. Speaking in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit brings it to your spirit. <laughs> there's another thing you ought to be aware of. There's going to be, there may be times when the Lord will have you partner with other people. What if, he had, what if they hadn't had a partner? You ever think about that? That net would have broke. They'd have lost the catch. Just... I will tell you this, do not be unequally yoked with anybody, not in marriage and not in business. Okay? And if you detect, if this guy wants to do business, with, especially as you become more successful, and that guy, whoever, the guy or woman, whoever wants to be a partner with you, but you detect greed, ambition, that's not your partner. Not where we're going. Not where you're going. Okay. Now, verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, as were all of them, at the catch of fishes which they had taken. I looked that up. That's a, that's a common Middle Eastern saying, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Peter didn't really want Jesus to leave. It's just something, what, what he's saying is, when, G, when Peter saw, this is supernatural. I mean, this man has lived on this lake. He's fished on this lake his whole life. He's never seen a catch like this. This man has something going on with God. <laughs> this is a holy man. And whenever that exposes your own sinfulness, that's all he's really saying. He knew Jesus was holy. Thank God Jesus meets every one of us right where we are. He'll get in the boat with you. Mm, I love it. 
So verse 10, And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land... Now, see, for years, it says they forsook all and followed him. So for years I had this image of them walking away. Can you imagine two boatloads of stinking fish? They just forsook it, what, it's, what it sounds like, you know. They just forsook it and left to, you know, to rot. Thank God we grow up a little bit. See, Jesus is against waste. If you remember when he multiplied the loaves and fishes, after everybody was full, what did he have them do? Pick up all the fragments. Don't let nothing be lost. Well, they had other partners besides these three men that he called. See, now this part I cannot prove, so don't go preaching it as doctrine. I'm not preaching it as doctrine either. When it's my opinion, I'm telling you it's Gary's opinion. I can't prove this, but it's obvious that this fit, this money, this financial blessing, all of these fish did not go into the ministry of Jesus. It did not go into that because they left it. Well, they had other partners. But see, Jesus is calling these three men into full-time ministry. Well, what about their families? We know Peter's married for sure. I don't know about the other two. They might have. They got responsibilities. Man, this double boat sink and load provision would be a good start on taking care of those families for a while. And then no doubt Jesus would, out of the offerings, he would share with those that followed him. See, But I think this was a financial blessing because it's obvious they didn't take this with them and put it into the ministry. But I believe he was setting them up. I can't prove that. Just my opinion. What I can prove is this. Now, this the whole purpose of that was this. Here's religion. I want to use me as the bad guy. So <clears throat> Mr. Gary Religion is sitting on the he's he's on the shore and he's got a little tablet here to write on and he's watching this whole thing cuz ah I see how great financial blessings come. Okay? So I'm making notes. All right, first they got to launch out into the deep. Step here's several steps to financial blessing. <laughs> first you got to give your boat you got to loan your boat. Second, you got to launch out into the deep. Okay? Third, you got to let down multiple nets. And then fourth, you bring it back to shore. Okay? Four steps to financial blessing. Now, here's the thing. If anybody had gone, whatever day of the week that was, if they had gone out the next day without Jesus being there, and followed those same steps, would that work? It won't work. See, and that's the point. Those steps, you've got to have them like learning your ABCs in the early days. And He works with us at that level. But where He has taken us, that will not work anymore. Why were those... See, they had just fished all night long. The fish weren't there. But why were they there when they obeyed Jesus? It's the Father in me. He doeth the works. Fish, get over here. <laughs> Isn't that right? And not only that, stay here till they get the net around you. <laughs> Co-laboring with the supernatural. That's what caused that blessing. Hearing and obeying the instructions of the Lord. And God, the Father, is doing the work. God, And He's doing it by the power of the Holy Ghost. It won't work to go out there every 
every day and follow those same steps and think the fish are going to be there. They're there because God sent them there. Preaching real good now. See, that's why formulas will just take you so far. They're okay when you're at the ABC level. We all, you got to learn your ABCs before you can write a novel. But man, he's taking us into the, the deep. He's launching us out into the real deep now, see? And we got to hear him and obey him. I got to say it again. This same Jesus, no less the same Jesus that spoke to Peter in the boat is the same one in heaven speaking to you today. And he speaks no unnecessary words. This might be a good time to rewind. Go back. See if you missed any steps. I found a couple. I found a couple in there that I missed totally. Actually, I thought I missed them totally. And I went back and checked. I didn't. But I'm kind of like Peter. I sort of partially obeyed them. Okay. So I'm going to fully obey them. I'm going to, you know, fully obey. So... Yes, sir. Got the understanding. Uh, the reason that we're going to put this power seed. The, the days of false humility are over. We all want to be humble. We are, and we should be humble. He's been having me teach a lot on. One of his instructions to me during this season has been, Gary, humble yourself. He said it three times. Humble yourself. Humble yourself, humble yourself. Humble yourself until you cannot humble yourself anymore. And then humble yourself some more. One of the humblest things you can do is believe God's Word. The ultimate humility, I think, for us is to believe what God says. See, that's, how, that's what not believing what God said is what got Adam out of the garden. Isn't that right? He, did, he chose to believe what the devil said. And what his five senses backed up with evidence. The humblest thing we can do is believe what God says. So I'm just going to do a few of these and then I'm going to release you. Uh, this, this is called Power Seed and it will be a PDF that you can print if you want to. Um, by this message. I just took scripture again like I usually do and put them into present tense words. Um, if you'll trust me, you can say these with me. Because I, I didn't change it other than just, okay. Like, so you won't be afraid. <laughs> Let me do one. This is Romans 12, 1 and 2. I present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. I no longer think like the world. My mind is renewed so that I can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See that? One of the rewinds, he reminded me again, I saw it again during the rewind, the best confessions start with I am. I remember, wait, remember that, Sue? Years and years ago, the best confessions begin with I am. And you can, go, you can trace that back to Abraham. I am the father of a multitude. That's what Abraham means, the name. I am. The father of a multitude. So when we say we am, what he says we am, <laughs> that's calling those things which be not as though they were, right? That, so let's, let's, y'all say that one with me. I present my body as a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable unto God. I no longer think like the world. My mind is renewed so that I can prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. I am clothed with power from on high because Jesus has sent the promise, the promise of the Father upon me. I am a witness that Jesus Christ is alive and, and that he is Lord of all. I have power to demonstrate the truth because the Holy Spirit is upon me. The works that Jesus did, I do also. And even greater works I do because Jesus is now with the Father. Whatever I ask in His name, Jesus does it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus cannot lie. He does whatever I ask in His name. There's two pages like that. Two pages. If we don't get our mind in agreement with that, I don't think we're going to walk in revival, do you? It's just repeating what He said. And the days, I'm going to say it again, the days of false humility are over. Real humility believes what he says about us. Okay? Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for what you're doing in each and every one of us, Lord. I thank you. You are bringing us into the realm of the impossible so that the world may know that Jesus is risen from the dead. The world may see that Jesus is alive and that Jesus is Lord of all. And that the world may come And receive from you, Father, all that they need for salvation, healing, and sanctification, and everything that the world needs. Father, we thank you for a real revival. We thank you for a harvest, the greatest harvest since the book of Acts. Father, thank you for giving us the blueprint for 2020. Thank you, Father, for those instructions. We give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just play, please. Y'all minister for a little bit.
in the middle of your mistakes right in the middle of your failures I am in your boat with you if you'll allow me do like Peter maybe bow bow before me and hear my voice I'll, I'll deliver you out of the mess you're in I'll deliver you out of the powerlessness that you're in. And I will direct you into the deep waters of my will for your life. But humility is required. Peter humbled himself some. He learned later to humble himself all. Humble yourself, says the Lord. Spend that time with my spirit so that you learn to hear and obey my voice. And I will launch you out into the deep and the harvest will be great, says your Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But remember, I'm already in your boat. I'm already in your boat with you. You that's in the sound of my voice, including those that are listening. I'm in your boat. I know right where you are. Listen to me. Let me bring you into the the deep water.